This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Remember, all I'm offering is the truth, nothing more. This is the Five Point Play Podcast, the diehard Duke basketball fans podcast. There's two of us left here. I don't know if we have many of our diehard Duke basketball fans still listening in. Hit the deep breath, everybody. We got some games to <laughs> still be played, but there's some gut check that has to go on. And AC, I'm going to turn it over to you right at the start here before we get into our five topics this week. because. You liked what Jack White said at the end of the way for a kid. I did. I liked I liked how candid it was. I liked how blunt it was. I even liked, if you saw the video of it, I even liked how when he said it, Joey Baker like sits back into frame and is like, whoa, like it it's some honesty that this team needs. And it's honesty from one of the team captains. One of the team captains, by the way, that's not getting much time, who I don't understand why he's not getting time, but I'm not there in practice every day, but he go, he, here's his quote of many, but here's his quote. I mean, you've just got to keep your head up as much as this. And by the way, parents take your kids away as much as this shit sucks. It's only one game at the end of the day. We can't be walking around with our heads low just over one game as shitty as it is. You've got to move on. Just like if you win, you've got to move on. If you lose like this, you've got to move on. Dude, like, I mean, that, that sums it up right there. I don't know. That's a message for someone. Like, I don't, I don't know if that's we're getting towards the end of the season. Guys are getting bored. I don't know if guys are starting to look at their draft stock. I don't know what's happening in the locker room. I'm not going to make any speculations about it. But all I know is Jack White is sending a message verbally to someone. And I'm sure if he is saying that in front of reporters, I'm sure the words that were used when the team has met or will meet or whatever were not as kind as that. So it's necessary because this team, it's truth telling time. This team needs a kick in the ass. They do. They need it right now. And it's got to come from within and it's got to come from the players. It's obviously the coaches have been trying there. It's got to come from within yourself. I don't know what's got to happen, but this is a team that has potential, but is it too late? And that's what we're going to be talking about today on our, on the podcast. Yeah, and, and that's really a good segue to, to what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the negatives because we have to – got to be truthful with you guys. We've got to be truthful with, our, truthful with ourselves about what this team is, what this team isn't, what it can be. Uh, we'll talk about the positives of this team because at the end of the day, you know, we are 23-5. and five. We have an opportunity here to put together a really nice regular season. We're not going to win the ACC regular season anymore, which is frustrating. Uh, we'll get to that, uh, but we'll talk about, you know, speaking of Jack White, where is he in the lineup? We're going to talk about different lineup expectations and, and combinations. Um, then we'll take a, a, a little trip down memory lane. What were our expectations coming into the season versus where they are now going the rest of the way? And then we'll give you our predictions for 
their, our last road game at UVA on Saturday, and then we'll talk about the NC State uh, rematch on Monday night. And the reason we wanted to do that is let those three games go so we can have a you know one dedicated podcast to the UNC game as we always do. But you know, AC, let's kick it off with the negatives. And there are so many mm-hmm. negatives. Uh, obviously, the one to me that's really frustrating uh, is that we had we we had complete control of our own destiny uh, when Florida State went off and smacked around Louisville at their place. They just said, hey, Duke, here it is. Take it. Uh, you know, we we didn't have another game outside of North Carolina except for uh, Saturday's game at UVA. And then we go out and we get smoked by uh, by NC State. We beat your Virginia Tech Hokies, and then we get beat by Wake Forest. And I want to start with the first thing that I've noticed uh, really being a, been a problem over the last seven or eight games for the most part on a slow start. That to me seems to be an extremely high negative on my list. I have a number of them. I have uh, our fouling propensity. I have our rotation depth or lack thereof. I have our high turnovers, uh, our post defense. I have our ball movement or lack thereof. Uh, but I want to start to me with our slow starts and, and you know, why does that happen? You know, why, why are we such a small, a slow starting team? Is it because of who we have on the floor, or is it because of our mindset coming into the game, much like it was at NC State, where we just didn't come ready to play? We weren't as hungry as they were. There's something to the, the slow starts. That's I'm with you. That is the past few years that we've seen our team play, regardless of the lineup, we've started slow. And I don't know if it's because case playing the chess match thing where he wants to see what you're going to come out with and then he wants to try to match it i don't know if it's the lineup combinations but we're not we're not necessarily putting our best offensive foot forward especially when and we've talked so highly about him and i love him to death but when jordan goldwire starts that takes away from the offensive side of the ball because not only does he not really look for his shot but when he actually does go to find his shot he doesn't have a high success rate, like bottom line. Like he, he is not adept at, at finishing down low yet. And when he's not looking to shoot the three ball, which he's actually been pretty decent in shooting the three ball the second half of the season, he's still not even looking for it. That's a big problem. And, and you can't start a game when the other team is fresh, coming right off of practice, coming right off a of shoot around, coming out of the locker room all jazzed up because they get to play Duke. You, you can't face them when they are bringing their best to you and you bring your second or third best lineup or second or third best effort. You can't do that. that you can't, and we can't continue to live like that. And we definitely can't live like that in the tournament because all of the teams that make the tournament are capable and all of the teams that make the tournament are hungry. And if you continue to give teams even a little bit of hope, that's just going to keep feeding into the shots that they take and the way that they play the game. Like, it's just, that's the way basketball works. It's one of those games. It's not like football or some of the others where when you're better, you're just better. That's not the case here. So we got to figure something out. We got to figure it out in a hurry because we need to limit the first five to 10 minute segments of these teams. And we need to limit what they're, 
field goal percentages because the past few games, that field goal percentage has been well over, well over 50%. And that's a trend I don't want to see continue. Yeah, the next one that I wanted to talk about was defensively. Um, you know, you kind of hinted at it. You know, if you're going to start with, you know, trading goal wire in the backcourt, I don't particularly like it offensively because I think that, you know, while Trey has certainly improved as a three-point shooter, like you mentioned as well uh, with, with Jordan, neither one of them are going to extend the defense out as much. Uh, they're going to clog the lane. It's going to make it tougher for, for Byrne. Um, so I think it, it hurts mm-hmm. to have both of them to start off when, you know, again, again I mean, I guess Lane Forrest, though, we missed a bunch of bunnies. And the the fans at the Joel were not even existent. So you, you right. kind of let them hang in. You let them get up to 12-point lead. The fans weren't even in the game until the last minute of, of that game. So, But my, my whole thing right. is that defensively, if you're going to start that way, then you got to lock down. And I have a lot of problems with our defense, and I, I know you do as well. The, the blueprint is out there for how you beat this team defensively. Um, if you have if you have the, the pieces, the, cap, the, the, the capable guards, uh, to spread us out and drive us, I've seen nothing that says we're going to stop you. As great as I've heard of Trey and, and Goldwire being and, and Wendell and, and catches all these guys being defensively, I see a lot of guys getting blown by, you know, time after time, and it, it just leaves Dave Byrne down there by himself to either decide he wants to try to go out there and he either makes the block great or picks up a foul or more often than not what he does is he just kind of plays that, you know, I'll show, but I'm not going to really get involved in this because it's not worth my time to pick up a foul. Um, what do we do on defense here? Because that's a huge negative to me right now. And I understand that, you know, against Lake Forest, for instance, they only had, what was it, 69 points with, you know, a minute and change to go. They fin- finished with 113 <laughs> uh, with the two overtimes mm-hmm. and, you know, the last minute. So we must have done something right there. We must have done something right where uh, Childress was off uh, to, to basically finish his entire senior season with not having to score a field goal against him. So we must have been doing something right. But I see a lot of open threes in the corners. I see a lot of just open drives, spread us out. And then I see our offense clog the lanes, can't get in anywhere. A lot of hero ball when the game gets tight. I'll let you start on the defense, though, from an X's and O's perspective. What do we need to do? For me, it's simple. This team plays, they play a style in which Kay has always played. They play a style in which you create turnovers. You force turnovers. And they're just not forcing turnovers. So when you play a certain style and then it's not accomplishing its task, then the style is broken and you need to stop because all it does at that point is just lead. It leads to opportunity. If you don't get the steal off the bounce or off the first pass or off the return pass like this team is set up to do, if you don't get the steal in those three spots, you're screwed because you're playing a system in which guys are flying trying to get those passes. They're playing tight, trying to get the ball off the bounce. You can't get it. These are college athletes. These are D1 basketball players. Like, they're not bothered by what you do. Like, if you do it, you do it. Fine, so be it. But if you don't do it, then they're not going to be bothered by it, and they're just going to settle in on a rhythm. They're going to figure out your weaknesses just like you're figuring theirs out, and that's what's happened to this team. We have not forced turnovers at the rate in which our defensive style tries to play. 
it doesn't match. Something's not matching here. And this is why five podcasts ago, we talked about it. And I said, I would love for this team, even though we have some really awesome defenders, we either sink back and play man at the three-point line and stop extending out the half court, or we go into a zone. And you can still be effective in those two scenarios. And we have the type of rebounding to be effective in a zone. Not saying that this team is or is not working on zone of practice. I, again, I don't know what they're doing, but we cannot continue to play the style of defense we're playing and not get turnovers and then just get fouls. Like people want to bitch about the foul calls at Wake. 34 personal fouls for Duke, the most all season by far. Was it eh? Yeah, it was eh, and it didn't feel right. But you know what? That's the style that we're playing, and that's what's going to happen from time to time. You're going to get that, and it's going to keep teams like Wake Forest in games, and that's one of the problems moving forward into the tournament. You cannot keep teams in games. You have to be able to put your foot on their throat, and we did that towards the end of the first half and the start of the second half when we started to get the lead and push ahead for a little bit, and it just it did not feel like we ever took the steps to, to finish this team off. We left, we left some lineups in that weren't working well, we didn't bring in some some high-powered offensive lineups that we could have brought in, and we just sputtered towards the end of the game. And we still, again, still had a nine-point lead with a minute left. So I, I don't know what to tell you other than our defensive style doesn't match the results, and that has to change. Yeah, and you're right. We were up nine with basically a minute to go, uh, and we completely choked. Uh Call it what it is. We completely choked. We had three turnovers that are just things, and you got to be tougher. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I have things that I, that I think about when you're in that situation. Uh, I think that it's soft uh, and weak, both physically but more so mentally. You have to be mentally stronger. Uh, and Coach K talked about at the end of the game being young, and, and I kind of cringed at that a little bit. Um, well, you know, he, he even said for 28 games in, so I don't know if he was trying to motivate his guys, but, you know, Jordan Goldwire had those two turnovers at the end of the game, and I know that he got mauled on the one. You got to be tough, though. He wanted nothing to do. He, he wanted nothing to do with the ball at the end, and that's what led to that bullshit. Which is so uncharacteristic ball. because he's been so good. Yeah, he's he been so been, good but, in terms of turnovers this season. Yep, but when it for, for some reason. It's uncharacteristic. Yeah, but it's not really because when when it comes down to those last, you know, ninety seconds or something, he he kind of bottles up, he freezes up a little bit. Uh, I've seen it before. It's, it's similar to the deer and headlights look. Like you know, you know when you when you step on a corner and you're watching, what guys don't want the ball. We said it about Andrew Playtech yeah. uh, against UNC. We got yep. we got to keep it honest here. He did not want the ball, and so, you know, part of that's on Coach K, like. Do you, do you let your boy keep getting exposed out there, um, making the mistakes? Is that going to lead him to learn, or is that going to lead him to be even worse as the season goes on when those moments come up again? Or, right. you know, do you call that time up? Personally, I would have liked to see him get two timeouts and would have liked to see see him call one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that was a problem for me. Uh, but you got to be tougher with the ball. Wendell Moore had a, a, a decent game. You know, I know his numbers were really good, um, but there's some, just some some turnovers that he makes that, you know, you had a lot of fans last year talking about Pam Reddish, you know, when he was driving, you know, it was like every time he drove, he picked up a charge. 
Um, now I feel like every time right. Wendell gets into the lane, a turnover is coming. And it's, it's, you know, he has to be tougher with the ball too. Um, but to your point real quick, offensively, when you have both Jordan and Wendell out there with Trey, that means that we have three guys out there that the defense doesn't really respect from deep. And the person that suffers right. in this is Vernon Carey. And, mm-hmm. you know, Vernon Carey, at the end of the uh, Virginia Tech game uh, in the press conference, Coach Pay mentioned that, you know, Vernon Carey, we knew this, that Vernon Carey was not a post player, you know, coming out of high school. He had to work with Nate James and had to do that. And throughout the season, you know, he's learning, he's working hard, he's doing a great job, but he's going one-on-one with guys. And, you know, as he's gotten better, as he starts, you know, receiving more press, freshman of the, of the week, freshman of the week, freshman of the month, uh, ECC player of the week, so on, um, he starts seeing, you know, second and third defenders being thrown at him. And so what do we do? What do we surround him mm-hmm. with? So I want to, I want to ask you, you know, having guys that really can't help spread the floor, we, we have to do a, a lineup change, right? We have to, you know, talk about that. So I want to switch gears to our second topic, which is lineups and combinations. And I know you have a favorite lineup that you'd like to see us go to, one that would actually help Vernon Carey. I love. I would love to see Trey and Vernon, obviously, keep those two in. But Matt, Alex, and Joey, at the very least, have not shown they have they haven't shown that they can't play defense any better or worse than the other guys that come in. So and when they've come in, they actually have performed admirably on defense, especially because it, it appears that when they come in the game, we pack it in a little more. So they aren't so spread out. So they can't be taken advantage of like they were in the Louisville game, for instance. Like Matt was exposed all the way out to the half court line in Louisville game. Anymore, since that game, you've seen him. He he does not extend that far out. That's coaching. That's looking at tape and saying, you know what? This doesn't work for you. And that puts him in a position to be able to play help defense. He's actually a really solid help defender. He blocks a fair amount of shots. He plays decent help defense. And now he's offside rebounding like a monster. He's he's really starting to rebound really well. So why that lineup? We haven't seen it yet. I don't know. Again, Kate does this better than most guys. And we have the luxury to be able to do it with 10 to 11 players being able to play which is you can hold an ace in the hole for when you really need it sometimes. And maybe he just felt like we don't need it yet against Wake. I don't need to show it on film yet. I don't want people coming in and and scheming for this particular lineup. I can see that being a possibility because coaches do it all the time. But at some point, you do need to put that lineup on the floor to make sure it works. And we have seen it. It has worked. So who knows? Maybe we'll see it again in the tournament. But I would love to see Trey with Alex, with Joey, with Matt, with Vernon. That lineup for small stretches would absolutely devastate teams on on the offensive side of the ball. And at the very least, no other team, you can't score more than three points. So no other teams can score more than what that lineup is going to put on the floor per possession. So let's see it. It works. Let's see it. Yeah, it's a true four out uh, and, and one in. And it, it mm-hmm. would just do wonders for Vern. Um, and I, I do agree that, you know, Matt, Matt Hurt, he, he's perfect at the four position. We knew that coming into the season. 
he he you know he he has like these moments where he's not really present but then he has others where he looks like the player that we recruited and he's fantastic and i think that mm-hmm. that gives him his most confidence too he can probably feel in that lineup you know i'm an integral part of this lineup here like you know i, I can get mine and i'm sure trey likes it too because the floor is more spread out and he's not a great shooter so that gives him more driving lanes obviously so that's certainly one lineup right. i'd like to see um you know, Cassius Stanley. And not an only that, player. just to just to jump back on that really quick, just to jump back on that really quick, it's the one lineup that we put on the floor where no one is out of position. Like, I'm sorry, like Wendell is not comfortable just standing on the perimeter looking for opposite side kickouts to be able to shoot the ball. It's not what he does. He's better suited, top of the key, off angles, taking drives. Like, obviously, that's something he's been working with. He needs to get better with his drives and not turn the ball over, but he's the most comfortable there. Cassius has been good off the wing. He's a really good wing shooter. His wing threes, I'd seen a breakdown of his wing threes versus corner threes, and it's night and day difference. Like, corner threes, top of the key, not Cassius. That's not his jam. Wing threes, he's the man. So let's continue to do that. But that that lineup with Alex, Joey, and Matt is the one where no one is out of position. Like, they are all comfortable where they are put which is on the perimeter. Like, it makes sense to me. I don't know, man. You know, I was going to ask you about a lineup uh, and, and, you know, this combination. It seems to me that Wendell and Cassius don't work real well together on the floor. Do you see that? Yeah, because they do the same thing. They, they, do, they play the same way, and there's only enough room to be able to do what you do when, when a team, when you put those guys out there and a team doesn't fully respect what you do. And Cassius has been able to take advantage of it in spurts, but I love Cassius to death. We all love Cassius to death. Cassius is not, he's not a one-on-one go get him score. He's not. He right. works really well off of Vernon. He works really all, well off of what Trey does in terms of penetrating the defense to the lane and, and getting kickouts and then being able to make his own drive off of that. He's not a, give me the ball. I'm going to take my man and then the help defense that's going to come with it. That's not what he does, and he, he, doesn't, he doesn't do that very well. So we continue to kind of put him in that situation a lot of times when you have he and Wendell on the floor, and usually when those two are on the floor, there's also Javin on the floor, and Javin does what Javin does, which is he gets in the way at times. And, like, God love him, and he's given us four years of his life, and I really do appreciate that. It's just it doesn't work. It doesn't work. It doesn't work, and sometimes things just don't work, and it's just the way it goes. And but Cassius and Wendell don't work together. You know who do work really well together? Cassius and Alex. Those two on the floor yeah. together have been money. You put those two on the floor together. Alex has to be respected, and Alex is Alex works really well with what Cassius does because that opens the floor for Alex and also gives Alex the other teams on the floor their fifth best defender to worry about. And Alex just, he does what he does when he has that, but when he has to see somebody's second or third best defender, he's he's lost. So it seems that uh, Coach K likes to put Wendell in the quote-unquote, you know, wins low four area, which, you know, they're not the same player. The, everybody wants to you know, make that comparison. They're, they're not even close to the same player. Um, you know, no. Winslow is a much better scorer. Uh, he was a guy that could step out and not play on a three. I don't think Wendell has hit a three all year. Um, you know, and ton in chief. But, uh, you know, where does Wendell fit in? You know, and I don't mean like he should be playing. Don't get me wrong. He should absolutely be playing right. a ton of minutes. 
Um, where does he fit in? Where is his best combination lineup where he can utilize what he has? Because obviously we talked about probably not with Cassius on the floor. So Cassius is probably getting a breather, you know, when Wendell is there. Um, is it with, with, right. with Matthew Hurt also on the floor with him? Or does he need some shooters too? Is it is it saying, hey, you know what? Uh, actually, we're going to have you and Trey out there with, um, you know, with, with Alex, Matt, and you know, J. Rob. Uh, you know, something like where there's more space out there, and he can, because he's best at attacking the basket. Um, you know, using his size and, and doing his doing his thing. But you know, where do you? What combination do you see him at his best? You hit the nail on the head. The when we have when we play the small ball lineup with Vernon off the floor, like he and when we talk about he and Cassius don't work well together. I think they can work well together when everything's spread. But when Vernon's on the floor, that's someone who's in the way in down low in the lane who gets in the way of what it is that Wendell likes to do. So unless Vernon's going to step outside to spot up four or three, which we don't see very often anymore, but he's done it like once or twice the last couple games. But unless that's going to happen on the regular then he's just in the way of what it is that, that Wendell likes to do, which is get down inside. I remember hearing an interview about from Jason Williams talking about how how he used to have to think about how to drive when Boozer was on the floor because Boozer's gonna be there. He's just gonna he's gonna be down low. That's that's a player and a defender that's gonna be there. So you have to work around how are you gonna attack the basket. And that's something that Wendell is learning right now. And it's kind of the same learning curve Jason Williams had from his freshman year to his sophomore year was having how do I attack with another help defender there, Wendell hasn't mastered that yet. But when we put those small ball lineups on the floor, he's been great, man. Like against Virginia Tech, the first game, he's the one who saved that game for us. You see, in the Wake Forest game, when Vernon fouled out, you saw what happened to Wendell. His game went to another level with what he could do on offense. So, no, he can't have Wendell can't have a post player down low. So, Wendell to me is better suited coming off the bench. He's better suited coming off the bench. When Vernon gets his first breather, let Wendell yep. get in the game, get a little flow going, and then if you want to bring when, uh, Vernon back in the game while Wendell's in for a few for a small stretch, absolutely do it. But he, those two don't match. They don't match because of what it is that Wendell wants to do and where it is Vernon needs to operate. They don't match. And and Wendell's a good passer. He can he can act like a pseudo point guard at times, but again, it doesn't match with it's that's just he's just a passer at that point. You might as well have Goldwire Trey in the game. He's just a passer. So. No, it doesn't match. That doesn't match. So, starting the game, I think we're both in agreement. Some changes changes need to be made. Uh, I yep. want to I want to start this out with the fact that we both love Jordan Goldwire. He's been fantastic this year. He's been a pleasant surprise. We talked him up all season. I think it is asking way too much of him to play thirty plus minutes a night. Um, I think that it mm-hmm. should be much closer to that twelve to fifteen mark. I don't ever like to label uh, minutes for for guys, but you don't need to ask that much of him. And I don't like the combination anymore of him and Trey because I I don't mm-hmm. think you're getting enough of the defense to offset the clogging of the lane for Burn uh, and and taking away what you know Trey is in, in getting into the lane and things like that. So let's take a step back. Okay, so who is the ideal going forward starting lineup for this team? If I had to. Look at it, and I I don't even mind Jordan starting so much as long as you don't put him in a start with Wendell. 
you can't start Heatre and Wendell. That's what we were just talking about about right. not being able to spread the floor. You can't spread the floor with those three. So and and with Vernon in the game, those four players you can't spread the floor. No matter who you put in that fifth spot, can't spread the floor. So if if Goldwire is going to start, the other two starters have to be Matt and Alex or Matt and Joey, one of the, a combination of those guys. And then at that point, you're losing Cassius. So let's just put our best players on the floor. How about that? Let's just go Trey, Cassius, yeah. Alex, Matt, Vernon. Like, why yeah. can't we not just go with that five? Go with that five, and then the rest of everyone who else comes off the bench complements so well. It doesn't Again, it doesn't – the old cliche, it does not matter who starts. It matters who finishes. Well, in this case, it matters who starts for Duke because we need to be able to keep pace. So give me Trey, Cassius, Alex, Matt, and Vernon all day long in the starting five for the rest of the season, please. Yep, that, that's, that's it for me too. Uh, I completely agree because uh, the the mistakes that Alex is – has made he's never not going to make them so but he's you know he's he's that ultimate guy where he just he, he doesn't care he just goes out there and does his thing um i think he, he needs to start he 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 gives us the best opportunity to spread the floor if he hits him he hits him if he doesn't you know you can sub him and joey in um haven't talked a lot about him mm-hmm. it seems like you know he's he's taking a little bit of a back seat but you know, when Joey does get in, you know, he's not afraid to let up the line, so at least we have that in the back pocket. Um, but I agree, that that has to be our starting lineup. And, you know, I know the old cliche, like you talked about, it's not who starts, it's who finishes, but we have to set the tone early. We have to set the tone early because we yeah. cannot continue to get off to these slow starts, especially when you're on the road. And in the tournament, you're going to have other teams' fans in the arena and I guarantee you, many of, much of the time, they're not going to be rooting for Duke. So you have to be able mm-hmm. to control that and, you know, learn from these experiences, um, you know, going forward. So let's talk about some positives. You know, we're, we're trending. We talked about the negatives. We talked about mm-hmm. some of the lineups. Now let's take a, talk about some of the positives. And I want to give you um, a little bit of a shout out. You said that you would like to see J-Rob be that kind of, that ace in the hole. And unfortunately, it Mm -hmm. came in a loss, but he did everything that we wanted him to do outside of hitting a couple of those threes to put us in a fantastic position to win that game uh, against Lane Forest. So credit to you. And what is J-Rob's role going forward? Is that going to be a positive for Duke? If I mean, if Jack and Javin aren't playing, then somebody has to step into that spot in the post. So he's the only one left. So I, I would I would like to see Jack a little more because I think Jack gives us some of the same intangibles that Justin gives. Javin has his place. We see Kansas again. Give me Javin De- Deloria all day long. We see Michigan State again. <laughs> he loves playing against Michigan State. Give me Javin. But teams that spread the floor, he doesn't work well with. Justin Robinson plays decent perimeter defense he had his matchup with Olivier Saar like unfortunately he was just playing a man possessed because Saar played like he's never played before in the history of his life so good for him for doing that in that moment but yeah (laughs) yeah don't get me started but um but 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 Justin Robinson still played admirably he's he he still slipped well on defense admirably I get it Admirably, he saw that, right? <laughs> he, uh, he he played in front of his man 
he played in front of his man, which is something that Vernon hasn't been doing very well lately, which allows him to step into the driving lane and, and be there for help defense. The only problem was they were able to just lob over his head or around them to get it to Sar, who was just in perfect position and no one on the backside came for help. So, you know, it, it makes Justin Robinson look bad when he actually was doing his job, but he handles that well. Really, the only thing he didn't do well was shoot, which he normally does. You know, airballed two balls, but you know what? When you don't get a lot of game time, you gotta, you have to think that that's going to happen. So, and then some of those lobs that they threw to him, I mean, it looked amazing. Like the dude has some, he has some serious athleticism that we haven't been able to see him showcase. Those lobs are going to come with timing if he is going to be practicing now with members of the first team. So I can only imagine that those lobs will go down and then the stat line looks a little bit better moving forward for Justin Robinson. So he's somebody I would definitely like to see play a bit more. We talked about Joey. I'd like to see him play a bit more because he shoots the three well. Like this is a better three-point shooting team than we had last year. And suddenly we're starting to play lineups that don't shoot the three well. And now we're ending up at the same place we ended up last season, but without RJ and without Zion. So I don't want that. That's that's not ideal for us. So we need those three point shooters out there on the floor because those guys do help our team out. We're a good rebounding team. We've been a really good free throw shooting team of late outside of the NC State game. That's been a plus for us. It's been a positive. And then yeah. three point shooting percentage defense in our wins. We've been a really good three point shooting percentage defense in our losses. We haven't teams have shot over 50 or over 45 percent against us in all of our losses, except for Stephen F. Austin. And that can't continue. We have to be, we have to be a good three-point shooting percentage defense. It's true. Uh, and, you know, the things that we talked about, you know, kind of that midway part of the year that we needed to improve, we, we, we have improved on our free-throw shooting uh, pretty much to a man. Uh, we have improved uh, our three-point shooting, um, but we, we have to get back to what we're good at and obviously our versatility something that we haven't been able to talk about a lot is a strength of this team Mm -hmm. so i'd like to see us get back to trusting some of these guys more i have no idea what's going on with jack white i'm not saying jack white is the answer but it would be nice to see him a guy that you know cares and plays so hard um you know the one thing i will say he, he looked uh the last few games that i have watched him to be a little bit tentative, so that can't happen. But he normally brings in some, you know, obviously experience, but a guy that can knock down the occasional three. Um, so I'd like to get mm-hmm. us back to being more of a rotation again, you know, getting, uh, you know, 10 guys. That's yeah. a strength of ours. Um, you know, another yep. strength of ours, and you, you kind of highlighted it, was that, you know, last year we knew that we had the two best players on the court, RJ and Zion. The thing with those two guys was, that they could always go out and get there when we needed a bucket. This year, mm-hmm. we don't have that guy really because you know Vern is going to continue to get double and triple team until until proven that we can help him. But I still believe, right. I still believe though, that we still have the two best players on the court in Trey and Vernon when we step on the court against anybody. Do you believe that? Because that to me seems to be Absolutely. positive for us. No, we do. We just need to put somebody around them. Just like last year, Zion and RJ needed help around them. Like two players in in D1 basketball, two players alone can't make the difference. So people can say we choked all day long because we had Zion and RJ and you should automatically win a championship because of that. No, that's still two on five and you can't play two on five. And you're playing two on five when Vernon's being triple teamed and then Trey has 
one defender on top of him, and then he has another defender in help. And then your other three guys are just standing there not getting the ball. So ball movement has to be a part of what we do. Like we had been moving the ball really well. It speaks to what you talked about with the versatility angle, being able to get the ball to different people on the floor and, and they're able to do different things on the floor. We, we have to get back to that, man. I don't know why it's gone. I don't know why Kay's reverted back into the turtle shell of, well, let's just play the five guys who are playing and nobody else gets to see the floor. Because like you said, it leads to guys being tentative. It leads to Jack being hesitant to do something. It leads to Alex O'Connell being hesitant like he was in the middle of the season. Now he's not because he's getting time. Like that's just, that's the nature of it. And I know Kay knows it. He knows that he's a coach. He's been a coach for 40 damn years. He knows how to do this. We, so why it continues to happen, I don't understand. I don't get why it continues to happen because if we can see it as fans, then there's got to be something there because this team was at its best when 10 guys played the floor and just played and hustled and didn't worry about what's happening. Now everyone is everyone is worried, and you can't you can't play like that, man. I, no. the the team that I coach, we just we just got booted out of the playoffs because everybody's on the floor worried. Like you can't have that. That doesn't work. You got to have all the guys that play, all of them are on the floor, playing with confidence and 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 with verve and with fervor. And we don't have that right now, man. It's it's not who we are at the moment, and it, it's kind of scary. It's it's unfortunate and scary at the same time. We saw it for a brief second against Virginia Tech. And that's why we win that game by 30. And then we don't see it again against Wake Forest. So what's the deal here? Is it because it's an away game? What's happening? I don't understand. But something's not right. You know, we saw it for a, a portion in the second half. And really, you know, kind of that, that part where J-Rod came in through the second half until we blew it <laughs> at the very end. I saw some great mm-hmm. plays. Actually, my favorite play of that entire game, and the one that I thought the game was over, was – you know, Trey at the end of the shot clock throws one up, air balls on the baseline. Matthew Hurt comes underneath, makes a super athletic play to not only grab yep. it, corral it, but to put the ball back in. Um, nobody else on the floor can make that play, and then he goes in and knocks down the free throw. The game should have been over there. That was the play that would have yep. propelled us into, you know, a lot of great things. But you know, so I did see a lot of that play, but we did, you know, we did. You know, kind of lose it there uh, at the end in that last minute, and then you know it's kind of over. But um, you know, I, I know that we're capable of it, and that's kind of where I want to leave this segment. I I know that we're capable of doing things, but this team can't take things for granted. And if it's not clear by now that you can't take things for granted, then it's never going to be, and that doesn't, and, and it's just going to lead us to where we are. So let's talk about mm-hmm. in our next segment expectations. Play. Let's talk about expectations now. Coming into the year, you know, we had, uh, you know, our favorite moderator, Tukey J, come on and give our predictions for the ACC. I said 15 mm-hmm. and 5. I hope I'm wrong because that means we're going to lose one of our next three games, but it wouldn't shock me. Um, I also believe I mm-hmm. said anywhere from 8 to 10 games that we'd lose. Um, we should beat that, which is nice. Um, Right. But going forward, I don't know what Duke team's going to show up. I don't know what Duke team's going to stick around for games. Um, you know, it's a very Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde team where uh, are we going to start slow or are we going to come out of the gates rocking? Are we going to get up early and let them back in the game or are we going to step on their throat and end it like we did against, you know, Virginia Tech are we, and Notre Dame? Are we going to 
play to the level of our, of our competition when we go at Michigan State, uh, when we beat Kansas at the beginning of the year, uh, when we beat FSU at home after a really tough, emotional win a day and a half earlier, or are we going to play to our competition like we did for the majority of the game um, against NC State, uh, Wake Forest, Clemson, Stephen F. Austin, you know, even Louisville, even though it's not a bad loss, we didn't play great there. So I don't know, AC, what team we're going to get, so it's really hard for me to make, to give my expectations going forward. And I'm not real positive right now, even though we just had our positive statement. So, um, hmm. you know, my expectations aren't the highest. I'll just leave it at that. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm with you to a degree. I, I do still think there's learning to be done here. We have two regular season games, however many we play in the ACC tournament, and then you have the tournament. Presumably, you you hope six games, but you know you, you never know. Like it's game by game. You have to play a game by game. This is a very matchup dependent team. My expectations during that podcast, I said seventeen and three in the ACC, and I included that I felt like we'd lose at Clemson and at Wake Forest. Those are two I definitely felt like we'd lose. I didn't I didn't feel like we'd lose at NC State so much and we did. But I did mention NC State was a tough one always for us on the road and there it was again. But I definitely didn't feel good about waking Clemson. But still man, it's what what lineup are we going to use and are we going to play to our strengths? That's that's just if if K unleashes everyone, I feel great about this team. If if we play if we play like turtles in the shell like we have against wake and like we did against NC state. And those two are the most recent games really that we had outside of Virginia tech. So maybe there's still hope those two loom so large because of the, the loss and the quality of loss that it was, but regardless of quality of loss, it's still a loss. doesn't matter. That could have been Louisville and Florida state that we lost to. So we lost two games. Bottom line, we played really well against Virginia tech. We didn't play so well against UNC, but we fought and we stayed in that game. And really, we fought in the Wake Forest game, even though that shouldn't be a game you have to fight in, but we fought. So bottom line, this team has something that works and they have they have parts and pieces that work really well. By now, we know the problem. We can't play a team that spreads us out. We can't play overplay against a team that spreads us out. Let me put it that way. So the rest of the season, the remainder of the season, UVA is not going to spread us out like that. UNC, again, they're not going to spread us out like that. NC State's going to spread us out like that at Duke. So let's see how we handle the, the rubber match there. And then you get into the tournament. There's lots of teams in the Big East and in the Pac-12 and in the Big Ten right now that would love to see Duke because of their style of play. So what can we learn from the games that we've lost or played close in? And can we make that translate to those games in the tournament? We can because we have enough on the bench to do it. We have 11 guys now with Justin Robinson, 11 guys that are capable of playing D1 basketball on the floor during March. So will we use that? Can we use that? I'm going to say yes. I'm still going to say we are, and I'm still going to say that last weekend is our ceiling. I've seen a lot of comments like Duke should just decline their tournament invite. Duke (laughs) is one and done tournament this season, all the above. And you know what? That's, so reactionary and I'll, I'll let you have it and feel that way if you need to. But I truly believe final weekend is this team's ceiling still, especially with the right matchups. And especially if we do what we are capable of doing and playing who we're capable of playing, 
And if those things do happen, which we do still have recency that they do happen because it happened against Virginia Tech. So if they do still happen, then I have faith that we can go that far. You know, I've, I've seen a number of people say on the message boards uh, and on Instagram and, and Twitter that, uh, that they have to see this Duke team losing in the first round and they have to see this Duke team getting into the Final Four. Uh, and, and my personal opinion on that stance is that if you're saying that, that means you're really not that good. Because I don't remember ever saying that from any of our teams that got to the Final Four. I don't ever remember saying, oh, this team can lose in the first round because we were too good for that. Uh, I don't think, uh, yeah, I mean, sure, if we got the absolute perfect dream scenario matchups, yeah, maybe we can sneak into the Final Four, but I think it's really just going to be sneaking in there. So I think that the ceiling for this team is going to be Sweet 16. I think it's going to be very similar to, um, you know, the, the England year where we just didn't have enough uh, to overcome. So you think that's our ceiling, Sweet 16? Yeah, I think it's a ceiling. Sweet 16. Yep. Interesting. So, okay. Um, I, you know, maybe my opinion will change after the next three games. Um, I hope it does mm-hmm. in a positive way. That That's where I think it is right now. Mm-hmm. I think our ceiling is Sweet 16. I don't think that we even sniff uh, winning the ACC tournament. Um, I'm just... Now that we're going to have to be both FSU and Louisville, I don't think that this team's made for that. So um, I see us losing uh, probably in the semifinals of the ACC tournament. And, uh, you know, that's kind of where I see this. But, you know, let's get to a couple predictions that we, we can do. Uh, that is UVA Saturday night, 6 p.m., last road game of the year. AC, you know, what do you see as, you know, Virginia's are really not that good. They're not. Um, but then again, a couple of teams we've lost to weren't that good. Uh, you know, this should be a team that they don't score very well. This should be a team that Duke matches up very well with and that they should be convincingly. And I'm just going to say that I think that they will win. I think Duke will win. Give me this one in a, in a little bit of a lower scoring game. 71 to 65. Yeah, it's definitely going to be low scoring. We're going to have to push you and uh, UVA out of their comfort zone a little bit. We can't just let them settle into the pack line and settle into to forcing us to shoot at the 30 at the 25 and 30 second mark in the shot clock. We're not comfortable doing that per se, especially with most of the lineups that we've seen on the floor. So unless we're going to play a spread out lineup because we don't have we don't have design and RJ or the Justice, or those types of guys, Jabari, those types of guys that can ten, can attack the middle uh, against the pack line like you need to. We don't have that guy this year, really. We haven't Wendell, but he can't do it by himself. So that's gonna be that's gonna be a tough ask. We have Vernon. They're gonna pack in on Vernon. Who do we put around Vernon? That's gonna really say a lot about this game. And if we really do play to our strengths, and I see us winning this game not easily, but against UVA. Give me a seven point victory because that's you know that's that's essentially a double digit victory. So give me give me sixty five to fifty eight, and and I think we we are happy we walk out of that out of the gym, and and what's going to be just a a bloodbath. They're, they're going to be hitting, scrapping, fighting, and if we played soft against Wake because of the fouls, then we better have learned because UVA is coming with the hands. So let's. Let's get out of there with no injuries and let's get on to NC State. 
Speaking of NC State, rematch Monday night, 7 p.m. Uh, you know, again, defensively, we talked about it all. We don't need to break down the game. This has to be one of those games to find out what we're made of. We're coming off uh, a UVA on the road. Monday Monday night, you're, you know, very similar uh, to, the, to, to that Final Four. Or just in general, you know, the tournament setup where big game, mm-hmm. one day off, big game. Can't afford to lose, can't afford to look ahead. Does Duke find a way to get this game done? We had to have learned something from the first match. I, I, I have faith in that. And we have to play and shoot better in Cameron than we, we did at the PNC Arena. So give me give me another Duke victory on this one. I, I don't I don't think NC State's good enough to beat us twice. They're a good team, but not, not enough to beat us twice. And give me give me a Duke, a high scoring Duke victory, ninety one to eighty eight. Oh, so you think it's gonna be close? That that doesn't bode well. Um, yeah, I think I think it's gonna be high scoring as well. Um, I, I have to imagine that Duke finds a way to win. I don't have a good feeling about it though. Um, my my head tells me to pick Duke here. My gut is telling me to pick NC State. I just don't have a good feeling about it. Um, I'm gonna go with my head. No, no, check that. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go with my gut. I'm going to go with my gut on this one. I'm going to say that NC State finds another way to rip our heart out and, and win 85 to 83 um, in Cameron. So, you know, there we have it. It's a, it's a, it's a well, that definitely means we're going to win then. I hope so. Uh, and you can't say that. You, you picked against that. us. That definitely means. Yeah, I know that. You can't say that. You can't say that before the game's played. No, no. I think you've been there before. Um, all right, so. You know, it's been a roller coaster. You have to appreciate the roller coaster when you're on it. Um, if everything was, you know, gravy, if everything was, you know, spring day, flowers blooming, the sun's out, babes in bikinis, that would be fantastic. But that's not one. You have to go through some trials and tribulations. We're going to find out what this particular team is made of. We got two big games coming up, and then we got our arch rival next week. In Cameron, senior day, big day for Javin Delorie. Go Duke. Go Duke. Thank you for tuning in to the Five Point Play Podcast, the number one Duke fans podcast. Check us out at Instagram at Five Point Play Podcast. That's the number Five Point Play Podcast. And on Twitter, Five Point Play Podcast. Go Duke.